0: There's different ways of um, doing your house you know Uh, there's kind of the way you decorate or the way you the kind of furniture you buy where it's really looks good but nobody sits in it Uh, when we first moved to knoxville we rented a home for several months before we could find a place and the house we lived in had this, I call it Victorian furniture. You know what I'm talking about? It's like that velvet, that stuff feels really smooth. and But it's all straight up and everything's made out of marble and wood. And it was so hard at the end of the day to relax because you had to just sit. And I thought, that's why that whole era of people, everybody you read about back then, they were kind of cranky. That's why. Their houses looked really good, but just not real comfortable. So when, I, you know, it was time for us to change out couches and sofa, we went with this, i would say the new thing, you know what I'm talking about? Where the sofa reclines and the, the feet come up. Anybody have, anybody else? You got that? Okay. All the old people? Okay. Um, it's really nice. And uh, the, the thing is, though, you get in it and, And you lean it back, and television's on, and you make your nest, and you've got all your stuff around you, and then what happens? You realize, oh, man, i forgot. And There's your iced tea across the room or your coffee, and you think, I don't want to get up because you're so comfortable. You ever been in a place where you get so comfortable, and then you don't want to go anywhere, so what do you do? You wait for somebody else to come into the room. Hey, 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 come here, come here. Could you you get me this and some popcorn? And you just, you don't want to get up. It takes some effort. Even if you're in a not so good place, sometimes it becomes a comfortable place because it's a real familiar place. We've been looking at a story um, that began in the book of Ezra, and it extended all the way through the book of Nehemiah, and today we're going to wrap that series up and kind of bring it to a close, and I'm kind of sad because I've lived with this for weeks, you know, and read this not every day, but pretty much, and um, think about it a lot, and after a while, and I know this Probably only those of you who' been in ministry maybe kind of understand this where you start feeling like you get to know the people in the stories, you know, the author or who the book is about or whatever. Yeah, so Ezra has become a friend and Nehemiah is a guy. I think, yeah, I kind of know this guy. Um, but the situation was this. the people had lived, people of Israel, people of faith, had lived in another country. They had lived in Babylon for over 70 years. So this, the place that was their home was a place many of them, most of them, had never even been to. And those who had been there, it had been so long ago. It had been 70 years that it was just this memory. So when the government changed and they were given permission to go home, and even encouraged to do so, many of the people, most of the people, just sat there. They thought, you know what, we've been living in Babylon so long, and we've gone to school here, and we've married people here, and I went to high school right over there, and this is my business and my job, and I've, I've sort of started liking the food and the customs and the language, and I, we're just going to stay. This is home now. Only a remnant, about 50,000 people, left and went back to what was really their home, and where they're supposed to be. The place that God had made for them and designed for them and reserved for them. But it was difficult to catch that vision because they'd never been there. Or where they were had become so comfortable. And here's what happens. In our lives spiritually, you will get into maybe a sinful habit. And it just becomes a comfortable place for you because it makes you feel good it relieves some kind of a pressure or a pain it just kinda gives you that buzz it releases your dopamine or whatever it does for you that's become your comfortable place and when the Holy Spirit challenges you you need to repent you need to move forward most people will stay stuck where they are even if it's in bondage, even when they can see the damage, even if there are moments where you catch glimpses of freedom and this love and this life that would be on the other side if you would just get up and move. But it's a difficult thing. I've had several one-on-one conversations with some of you as we've moved forward in this series. And I know that many of you have made decisions along the way I don't want to be in Babylon anymore I want to go home I want to go back to this place that God made for me many have stayed where you are and I don't know what fuels that for you I I, I don't know what it is you know I, I can tell you what it is in my life but what is it for you that makes you stay stuck? Maybe you're a victim of something horrible or something awful. Or you've just got memories or you've got pains. You've got some old shame and guilt. We've used that terminology a lot during this series. And it just keeps you where you are. Today I'm going to invite you and at the end of our time together, I'm going to challenge you to get up, to go home. To be free. To be free. Put all that, that junk behind you and go with the remnant. The challenge, particularly in this second book we've looked at in Nehemiah, was to rebuild the wall. And this rebuilding of the wall was its like a metaphor in our lives of these walls that God wants to build of safety and security and of peace and of love again in your life. The walls that sin... Or maybe addiction, or maybe behaviors, maybe old wrong ways of thinking and looking at yourself, looking at your past and your situation. Whatever it is, all that's just kind of held you, held you down and kept those walls broken. And God says, no, let's rebuild the walls. That challenge first came. Uh, and I'm just going to go back and look at this scripture that we looked at in the very first time we made the transition to Nehemiah. It's in chapter 2. Uh, of Nehemiah, verse 17. It says this, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in. <laughs> you see the trouble we're in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and go build. And so they strengthened their hands uh, for the good work. Some of you have been challenged to rebuild and repair the broken walls in your life. And I, I have rejoiced with you as I've seen you win victories. And I've seen you, some of you have been incredibly courageous in some of the steps forward that you've taken because it's real easy and real comfortable just to stay where you are. So today, this message, it's kind of for you folks who've begun to move forward. Guys, there will always be places of brokenness and even destruction in your life. And you will see the damage. And you'll be faced with maybe despair Or maybe just a kind of a wistfulness or a, uh, you know, or just regret. The one thing you can't do, however, is just to leave it there. That's what you've done. And how has that worked for you? You can't keep it there. This damage and the ways that you have tried to manage it. Whether it's a sin, whether it's a tendency, whether it's a memory, whether it's a wound down in your heart. And you've developed all these strategies built around that. Maybe it's avoidance or maybe it's, you know, some other kind of behavior that compensates. I don't know. But I know we do some crazy things as human beings to try to relieve that pain and and that pressure. But oftentimes we just leave it in place. And that's only kept you in deeper bondage as the days and the weeks, and for some of you, years, for some of you, and you've told me this, it's been decades. And that just extends that destruction. Because without even being aware of it, sometimes what happens is, you know, whatever's in you is going to leak out of you, right? Whatever, if you've got pain and woundedness, that's going to come out in ways, and it's going to create damage or destruction in the lives of people around you. When purity and when love and when grace begin to fill up inside your life, that begins to overflow into people's life, and you become a channel of... Of blessing, and I realize that's a cliche, but you do. You become a place of grace. Israel was given a second chance, and so have you. Whether you've believed me up until this point or not, I've prayed all week that when I say this, the Holy Spirit would affirm it in your heart. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever's happened to you, whatever's gone on in your life up until this moment, you get a second chance. I hope you'll take it it's challenging because it's going to push you, you know, to give up the ideas that you've kind of locked into place in your mind that maybe there's somewhere in you that says, that's not right, that's not really true. The attempts that you have made to try to get something from creation to give you the significance or the peace or the happiness or joy, whatever it is you're looking for, you know, they're just that you're trying to get from creation That you can only really find in the creator. Do you see the difference? You're never going to get it from the creation. It's always going to come from the creator. And he wants to pour himself into your life. And you've been looking everywhere else. And that peace and that joy. Doesn't come from all those other places. It just comes from God. Some of you during this series. Have been rebuilding your walls of identity. And you're beginning to understand. Who you are in Jesus. And who you were recreated to be. And all those scriptures that say things like. Oh you're a new creation. Or you were sinful. But now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And and, and, and all of that. For by grace you've been saved through faith. that not of yourself. And you're starting to think. Wow this is. So that's really true. That's not just poetic language or just scripture or just preacher talk. No, he really meant that. And as you lean into that more and more, you're going to see him wash away those old false ideas of what your identity is really about and see who you are as God sees you. And when you get that identity right, that security and that love just begin to flow in and through and follow right behind that. so here's where we are we start off you know and you make these affirmations and like i say i'm just i'm assuming you know because several of you have said this. you've emailed me or called me or we've talked about it in the halls you said hey here's where i am today and here's what god did for me and this healing has begun in this place i'm hoping and assuming a lot of you are not going to come up and go you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know, just go t- tell him, but maybe, hopefully, something quietly is going on there. So you start off, and you begin to see change. You begin to see something beautiful, something good starts happening. And there's progress. And you realize, hey, I went a few days, and ah, I had a slip. But then I went a few more days. Ah, I went a week. I went a month. And, and you feel this courage, and you feel this strength begin to build up. And with that comes this confidence in Christ. You begin to see, ah, Something different is happening in me. But then what happens? You know, Things are better. The vision's more clear. You feel healthy. It may be that even the folks around you, especially those closest to you, your family or your roommates, um, the people you work with, can think, what's the deal? I, there's something different about her. He's not the same lately as he used to be chapter 4, verse 6, I love this verse. This may be one of my favorite verses in this, in this uh, book. It says, so we built the wall. This kind of sums it up. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. So the wall is joined together, and you begin to see it. If you've ever built a house or anything like that, uh, you start seeing it come together. If you've ever created something, or maybe even at Christmas, you know you get a box of all these parts, and it's supposed to be a toy, you know, for your child or for a birthday, and you just think, "Oh wow, it doesn't look like anything on the box and But as you start putting those pieces together. It starts looking like a bicycle or whatever it is. Maybe these pieces are coming together and the wall is joining. You think, I'm starting to get a vision for what my life could be, what I think God wants it to be. And then comes discouragement and obstacles. And I'm going to spend a little time on this because it always happens. It always happens, and you may be at that place today. You may think, you know what? Started off really good, and I've done that before, but you know what? I'm kind of discouraged, or I'm tired, I'm bored, I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm by myself in this. I want to help you, okay? Uh, So here's two things to expect when you begin to live in victory, when you begin to allow the Lord to rebuild those walls of strength and security and passion and love in your life. When you feel yourself moving into this zone where you think, wow, uh, and, and, and somebody this week said, I asked myself, am I closer Uh, today to the Lord than I was a year ago? That's a really good question to ask yourself. Nope, I'm kind of the same place, or actually I'm further away, Um, or, or be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I am. I'm closer to the Lord today than I was a year ago. Maybe that's where you are, but you're starting to feel discouragement, or maybe there's some obstacles. Here's the things that'll come up Okay, then I'm telling you this, getting kind of a heads up, because I want to be honest. What if I don't tell you the rest of the story? You know, it's like, what if I'm trying to sell you an appliance or a used car or a house, and I don't tell you about the leaky pipes, or I don't tell you about, you know, the fact that this car's got this many miles on it or whatever. That's not right. So I'm going to tell you the whole deal. First of all, you can expect to face opposition, Chapter 6, verse 2, says this. Sanbalat and Geshem. And wouldn't you know that guys with names like that, they've probably got a chip on their shoulder anyway, you know, since they were kids. They've been kind of mad about it. Sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafriam in the plain of Ono. And um, that's uh, Ono Lennon. Okay. But they intended to do me harm. Expect opposition. And don't be so surprised when it comes. I mean, I've lived a lot of years now, and it's like when opposition comes, I'm still surprised by it. Because I'm a nice guy and I think, well, I'm trying to do the right thing or whatever. And don't you feel that when people, and you think, wait, I was trying to help or I'm just trying to move forward in my life and I'm trying to get out of this stuck place. I'm just trying to rebuild walls. Why would somebody oppose me? Why would something happen like that? And we're always kind of surprised. Me? You would, she said that about me? He did that? He did what? Why? God, it's just gonna happen. So I want you to be surprised when it comes. And sometimes it'll come from unexpected people and places. How many of you, you don't have to show your hands, but how many of you have been hurt deeply by some of the people that you love the most? Some people you're in relationship with. I've said things to you or done things and you think, wow, that. And for some of you, it was your mama, <laughs> it was your daddy, it was a spouse, it was somebody, a best friend. Expect opposition and expect that it'll come from people in places you wouldn't think would ever hurt you. Here's the thing. Opposition always comes. And it's often satanic. And I'm not going to budge one inch off that statement. You have a spiritual enemy that is coming against you. He hates you. And he's going to seek your destruction. So sometimes we look at the people around us and we kind of blame that person or that group or this movement. And then, you know... We realize that yeah they maybe were the tool but behind that there is another power there is another force and that is your enemy that is your real enemy it says in this scripture you know it says they were scheming to harm me or my verse says they intended but what it means the literal hebrew word says their intentions were not good and they were making plans they were getting together and saying, you know what, here's what we can do. And, uh, and they were kind of thinking, no, that won't work. Here's what we ought to do. And, and they were making a plan. Do you know there is a schemer? The devil is a schemer. And he's not going to lighten up. And he's not going to show any mercy. And he's not going to be nice to you out of compassion ever at any time. He's a schemer. And he's scheming. He's making plans right now to bring you into a place of defeat or destruction. He wants to undo anything you've done and the ground you've moved forward in over the last several weeks or months in your life, and you think, wow, I'm getting some traction, and I'm starting to, starting to get there, and, and this feels really good. Well, he doesn't like that. So you can expect that he's going to come against you in ways maybe you didn't see. You think, but the wall's only half up. <laughs> I'm not even there yet. I'm, I'm just getting the walls rebuilt. I'm just getting healthy. Some of you are sober and have been for the first time. Some of you are healing and it's going deep. Some of you are repenting of sinful behaviors. You're changing the way you think about yourself. Your identity has shifted into a good place, an accurate place. And as that happens... You can just feel yourself emotionally, spiritually, and for some, even physically, you're moving away from pain and into a good place. He will not stand by and allow that to happen without some opposition. So he's making plans right now against you. So expect that. Expect that. Did you watch the game last night? Do you watch? I don't know if you watch the Auburn game and then you watch the Tennessee game and you think, wow, there's, you know, and I, I realize how many UT coaches, you know, is Kwanzo still out there and Bruce is still out there? And, uh, and, you know, and I love Rick Barnes. He is, you know, he loves the Lord and I think he's done a great job. You know, I mean, there's all this strategy that goes into. You know, just this one game, you think, wow, this is so important, and this, is, this could be a make it or break it kind of situation. We could go to the SEC, and we can be champions for the first time in a long, long time. Listen, as you move forward, and God wants you to, and this sounds kind of cheesy, but God wants you to be a champion spiritually. He wants you to win. He's for you. He wants you to be successful. But there is another strategy. There is a team that comes against you. So as you move forward, realize that just moving forward or just getting the wall built, you know, we have this as a goal, but that's your end game because it's not. Look at verse 6. He says this, let's see. And it was written, it is reported among the nations in Geshem. And it also says that you and the Jews intend to rebel. And that's why you're building this wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king what? That was nothing. That was not in our minds. We have no intent for that. That was just the craziest thing. You know, this wall gets joined together, and, and then it's going to be finished later in that same chapter. Uh, but for some of us, we think, ah, oh, just get it up halfway, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. The wall's joined together, but it's only half the height that it needs to be to provide that protection and that security, and that's where some of us are. You think, wow, I finally got the whole thing, and it's connected, and it's coming up, and I'm feeling pretty good about that. You know, just finishing the wall is not all that it's about. The end game is a new life. You see, it's when Ezra came in, and he rebuilt the temple, and the law was reestablished, and this connection with the Lord was, was made once again and the people began to sense that and then they built this wall and they could have said you know what? I think we're done here now you see that wasn't the goal that was kinda of where it was going and each one of these events and this process was leading to something you know what it was leading to a brand new life and some of these people would tell their kids yeah we used to live in Babylon and we were slaves there and things weren't so good We didn't move here just to live behind a wall. We didn't move here just to build a temple and just to be able to go to worship. And No, it's the whole thing that this is part of. It's a new life. It's a new way of living. A new way of living. And as I've said a couple of times, I'm just kind of hammering this, that Satan will always oppose the work of God in your life. That's one thing that will be consistent. He will always come against you. And it will be out of nowhere. And it won't be fair. Uh, it won't be merciful. Opposition may come from your friends. Because they may not like the new you. It may come from your family. It could come from parents. Or children. Or a spouse. It could come from uh, the people you live. The people you work with. I remember when Christ began to, to infiltrate my life. And the things I did did begin to change my friends are like no we don't invite him don't bring people i worked with uh, my relationships changed even with my immediate family they didn't get that it's like eh, we didn't sign on with with this and uh, just kind of expect that that may happen in some of your relationships even in a church even in a church environment you could feel threatened with friends and relationships there And I think one reason that that happens, because isn't that weird? You think, why would not everybody be happy about that? Why would it go like that? Well, one reason is because you're different, and people just simply don't like change. We don't like anything to be different, do we? We just kind of want to rock along, and I just want to do the same thing the same way every time. And now your husband's different you think, well, that's not the guy I married. And he's, I don't want to go to church all the time. (laughs) My wife's changed and she's reading the Bible. You know, my dad told me once, he pulled the truck over and he said, you know what you are? I go, what am I? He goes, you're a fanatic. What what do you mean? He goes, you just read. He said, there was a lady in our town and same thing happened to her that's happened to you. And she started reading her Bible. And she started walking up and down the streets all the time in our city. He said, it just drove her crazy. I said, what are you saying? He goes, I'm just saying you're a fanatic. This is going to drive you crazy. I mean, we stopped drinking together. We stopped doing a lot of things together. And, and our relationship got tense. It got uncomfortable. Expect that that may happen in some of your relationships. But that's okay. You can move past it. Because even though people don't like change, and they may not like the, the new you, your new look, or your voice, or the way you live, or they'll get used to it. You will have problems. You will have trouble. And a lot of that's just gonna be people. It's gonna keep you up at night. You're gonna think about it and, and all of that. Listen, l- let me just give you some, some counsel, some firsthand experience stability and focus. Just being purposeful. You're gonna need that when you deal with these problems. You need an anchor, you need a center of gravity. A place, a reference point. You need that, that core. In chapter 6, verse 4, he says, And they sent to me four times in this way. They just kept coming back. It's relentless, okay? And your temptation or your memory or that old way of thinking, that's gonna come back. Not just once, it's gonna keep coming back, okay? So that's gonna keep happening. And he says, and I answered them every time in the same way. So I answered in the same manner every time this happened. I say, well, you know what? My answer is the same. Um, you've continued in, in, your, in your purposefulness and in your stability as you deal with those problems. Listen, whatever you do, don't come down, don't come down from that wall. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Stay up there and keep building. Many of you are familiar with this story, and you know that the opposition became violent and it and you know it just escalated as they went along. So Nehemiah said, Listen, everybody's got a hammer or you've got a saw, whatever tool it is that you work with, also wear your sword because we don't know when the attack's going to come, and we don't know where it's going to come from, so keep your sword. I was telling our tech guys this morning, I kind of got into that, and I looked up the swords, and I thought, what kind of swords? Were they like the Roman swords? And they kind of were. I won't go off on this, because it's really geeky, but I was able to find photos. You can Google it on the World Wide Web internet, and uh, find these, these pictures of the actual swords that they had in that place, that geographic region during that period, and and there's like the Iranian swords, and there's the Persian swords, and there's the Israeli swords, and and they're about this long, and they're like this wide. And I thought, how come, you know, they, it's like, ah, this sword, man, if I could just take this sword off and put it over here for a minute, then I can get some work done. Listen, the enemy sometimes will convince you to get so busy, even being spiritual, Even doing things that feel like the right thing, that you'll set your sword aside. You'll drop your guard. You won't have an offensive weapon. Keep your sword with you. Stay up there. Keep doing what you're doing. And keep your sword close by. Your continued healing, your success will come from doing the things that you know to do. Going forward with integrity. And I like that he said that. He said, I, I sent a, in verse three, he said, I sent a messenger to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not just building like a doghouse or a birdhouse or something. I'm building a wall here around this place to protect us. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I can't stop what I'm doing. Listen, get that attitude. Get that spirit, Lord, it's you and me, and you know what? I'm not going to stop, not this time. And Just have that tenacious spirit within you. Now, here's your other enemy. One is just this discouragement that will come from the opposition you'll you'll get from people. The other uh, thing that will challenge your integrity and your healing is just weariness. Your other enemy is just being tired. You're going to simply get tired. And it may not be just from the new things you're doing. It's the fact that you've added the new things along with all the other things. Isn't that really what makes us tired? We are that generation... We just keep piling more on. And we don't know how to build margin into our lives. We don't know how to take a break. We don't know how to create empty spaces so that other things can fill in. No, we're doing 10 things. Uh, we think, oh, now I'll do 12 things. Now, this is going to be, uh, wow, for some of you, you're going to go, well, I don't know, this is really uncomfortable. You know. But when I, when I say, as you add these new things into your life, look around at what you need to let go. there's some things that just they weren't supposed to be there to begin with and that should be the easy ones well i'm going to repent of these three things and that was taking up some of my time and energy and emotional effort and uh, all of that so i'm just going to just kind of let that go there's this danger of just continuing to adding things on that will make you weary so don't add on more stuff I mean, I would be discouraged if I was, you know, sitting and the guy who's up here saying, "And now I want you to start reading your Bible, and I want you to start going to church, and I want you to start praying." And you think, "Oh man, I've already got so much going on already." Well, you have to let go of some things. Your recovery or your revival, this reclaiming of you that God is doing, it can't be just added into everything else that's going on. Let some of that other stuff go. It's going to feel good. At first, it's not going to feel good. At first, you're going to think, oh, I I can't, you know, just just do it and watch how good it feels. I I hope even as I say it, you're going to step back and look at your calendar, you know, look at your appointment book and go, you know what? We're just, I'm just not going to do that. (sighs) It's going to feel good. It's a new part of your life. This is a new lifestyle. Remember, we're not just building the temple. We're not just building the wall. We're not just getting things set up. No, that's all to get us from one place to another place in a new way of living. So you don't need all that, that old stuff. It's a new rhythm, a new rhythm. It's not a destination. And I have to be careful because I think of things like that. I think, well, when I get here, then... There you go, you know, I'm I'm kind of, because that's kind of the way I'm wired. Are Some of you like that, you know, you love a to-do list and check them off, and it just gives you that, uh, that satisfied, like that content, and some, ah, that's okay, I feel good because I've I've done these. This is not like that. This is not exactly the same thing. Uh, This is not like, uh, when I lose 10 pounds, I know I'm there. No, it's when you're healthy, that's when you're there. Wow, when I can run a 5K. No, it's when you're healthy. Oh, I want to read a book every month or some of you every week or once a year. <laughs> I want to hold a book and look at it and uh, do something. besides Then if you do that, you're probably not going to be able to watch as much television or Netflix. You know, you're know, you going to think, uh, but you're going to be okay. But it's not just that that you're trying to do. It's something deeper and bigger and stronger behind that. I hope you get the idea. It's just a new way of living. It's a new way of relating to God and of relating to other people. And because we've established habits, the way you answer people and the way you talk to people and the things you say and your go-to emotions, you know. And somebody says this and it triggers you and so you feel like that or... It's not going to happen overnight that that chain... But after a while, that wall is going to be built. And you're going to be safe. And you're going to get healthy. Because you're being reclaimed. God is reclaiming your life. And with the Lord, with this reclamation... Is that a word? That's a word. With that, it comes a renewed commitment... To follow God's guidance. Look in chapter 6 verse 16. He says, And when our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. God's with you. He's for you. You're not doing this by yourself. Okay, you are not alone. Jesus is in you, and you're in him. I told Kevin, I've had this song stuck in my mind all week, and I've been playing it over and over. Anybody in my house go, oh, what is it? Yeah, you know, you ever got get a song, and you just kind of play it a lot? You know? Well, I've been doing that with this song, Christ in Me, by Jeremy Camp. Uh, some of you may or may not be familiar with that, but I've been listening to it all week because it's just sort of my song, and it's where I am right now, and where I am in this series, and I think, Lord, that's it. It's your grace flowing through me because Jesus Christ is in me. And I listened to that song, and I just sat in the kitchen, and boy, I just I just started crying. I just lift my hands to the Lord and go, oh Lord, that's it. This is it, this is the truth. Uh, this week that you're just going to flow through me this one time. Listen, when you get that spiritual impulse and sometimes it'll come through a scripture you'll read a scripture and you go oh wow, I've never read that before or I've read it but it just popped off the page to me and it'll have renewed you know, meaning for you. Or you'll hear a song, you'll be driving your car and you'll, you'll hear a song maybe one of the ones we've done today or you know, another time and you think oh wow, Lord I get it maybe it's just an encouraging word from a friend maybe somebody just says a sentence to you they may not even have put a lot of thought into it but somehow it just kind of got hooked in your soul and it was truth and it just blessed you when those impulses when those moments come lean into that go with that just kind of the, the, the day, you know, I was listening to that song, and I like I said, I've listened to it several times all week. But uh, there was one defining moment where I was listening, and I just thought, oh. And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit said, stop what you're doing. You're distracted. Just stop everything. The song takes three minutes, okay? Just stop. Be still and listen. And I could just feel that sweet presence of the Holy Spirit when He just, you know, when He just washes over you. And you just, you just... Rest in him for a moment. Go with that. Those impulses he will bring to encourage you. And that's the same way you sinned, right? There would be a sinful impulse. And so you'd give it another thought, and you'd give it another thought. And before you know it, you're like, ah, how did I get over here? Just with an impulse. So do it in just the opposite way. Uh, You're not alone. You're not alone. It's grace. All the way back in the second chapter, he said the people will see that it's the gracious hand of God. All the way back in the book of Nehemiah, he's talking about grace. That's what it is. What began to happen in these people's lives and what will happen in our lives is that as you start back reading Scripture, it's going to get real for you and you're going to understand it. Uh, If you flip over to chapter 8, the second verse says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday. You think, I can go a long time. Okay. In the presence of all the men and women and those who could understand it. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They began to read this. I remember when I first started reading the Bible. I was 19, and I started reading it thinking, where has this been all my life? And I just read every page. like He had written this to me, like, hey, I just wrote a book to you, and it's for you, and here, I want you to read it. It was actually amazing. I thought, this has been around for a long time, but somehow it was reawakened. When you get connected with God through Scripture, amazing and beautiful things are going to happen. One of the things that happens for me is the more I read that, is that I kind of start getting it. It becomes clear. I begin to understand it, and it just makes sense. Whereas one time, you know, in those times where you just read it and go, I don't know, (laughs) I don't even know what this means and haven't you had friends or maybe you've challenged people going it's just an old it's just this old dusty book it's been around forever it's not relevant anymore it's because we don't really read it and see that it's still alive in chapter 8 verse 8 it says they read from the book from the law of god clearly they read clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood what they were reading Keep doing what you're doing and keep, keep following those impulses to, to, you know, walk with the Holy Spirit and just read this scripture. And if you want to study it, if you want to get out commentaries and language and you want to, you know, g- get online and all that, that's great. But I'm going to encourage you just to read it. Don't do anything but that right now. Just, just start reading it and you, you, this, uh, this crazy thing going to start happening. You're going, you know what, I think I understand this. If the Lord has begun to move in you in ways of reclaiming you, then this recovery and this health and this relief is going to produce a new way of living. And part of that is going to get, you're going to get reconnected in Scripture. And you may want, um, and I encourage you to be real specific about that. Maybe even make declarations. You ever do that? I will by this date, I'm going to do this, or haven't you had those? I'm going to graduate on this time, and I'm going to make this grade. And, you know, we do that all the time in life, right? We, we're real specific about, well, I want to be able to, you know, go from this to this. And why not, why not apply it here? So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do, um, is to do what these folks did. In chapter 9, verse 38... He says, because of all of this, everything we've talked about this whole series, you know, we've walked through and here's everything that happened. He says, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. You know, a moment ago, um, Shelly Joe gave these certificates to these parents and there's the child's name and the parent's name and uh she gave me those one day this week and she said, you know, there's a there's a space for the pastor. Would you sign all of these? There's something about putting your signature on something, right? Whether you're buying something and you're entering into a contract and you or you know, you're you're gonna commit to a school or whatever it is and you are you writing a check? You don't know what checks are, do you? We'll talk about it another time. But, you know, you, you, write your, you sign your name. Maybe this is the moment. Maybe today's the day when you're going to say, God, I'm signing my name to this. I'm going to establish a covenant with you. And the way this is established, the initiation of that is just surrender. God, I'm going to give up. I'm not going back to Babylon I'm going to burn that bridge, not going back, going to stay here. And so I'm surrendered to you. And I make this, I think it's a twofold covenant that's going to really help you. The first part of this covenant in chapter 10, verse 30. And if you remember from another lesson, uh, we saw that this was kind of a big deal in the culture. This is kind of what, what got them off track. In verse 30, it says, we will not. Give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. This is where they had broken the covenant. Wherever it was that you broke your covenant, go back and reaffirm that. Lord, when I was eight years old, when I was 20, when I was 40 years old and I gave my life to Christ and I repented of all these things and now I've let this thing back in, you know what? I'm moving that back out. There's no room for that. I'm making a covenant with you. That goes out. And I like this particular one because it has with it this idea of protection of the people around you. He said, we're going to protect our children now. Some of you dads, you need to make a covenant. And it's, yeah, it's for you. It's for your recovery. It's all about you. But your children, the people around you, need that. So this is protecting them. And then the second part was, I think it made this covenant to the people around them in in this other kind of environment, which we would call church. In chapter 10, verse 39, um, he says, For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. I mean, this included everybody said all of us all of our different roles the, the pastors the gatekeepers the greeters the ushers you know the people working in the nursery uh, the singers he said everybody here's the deal in the last sentence we will not neglect the house of God I didn't go to church growing up i didn't get it and i went and i got my feelings hurt and i pouted about that so i quit going again and did that two or three times you know what that can happen i understand that and i understand there's some abusive churches out there and i understand we're not perfect it's messy in here and because we're people and it's relational and we make mistakes and we say dumb things or whatever that but you know what you need to be connected to a church This is not a do-it-by-yourself kind of a deal. This is not like that. He says, we will not neglect the house of our Lord. And they invested. They said, we're not just going to come and watch the big show. We're not just going to come and receive. We're going to give. I want to be a part of this. I'm planting my life here. So I'm giving of my resources, my time, my money. My attention, my energies, my giftedness, the talents that God's blessed me with, I'm going to share with others. You know, he lists all these people. He goes, here's a priest, here's a gatekeeper, here's a singer. What are you? I'm a singer. Okay, we need you to sing. Invest in the health of the Lord because this is where we grow strong. It's together. It's together. There's an incredible power there. Don't neglect that. Don't leave that out. Okay, don't think, okay, I got this, and I'm really going to move forward with this. Um, But I'm kind of a loner. I kind of like to do things on my own. I get that. I understand. But not this time. This time we do it together. So get connected to a local Bible-believing good fellowship. You like the people. Get in a community group or a small group. You know, connect yourself with people who have permission to come into your life and speak truth and be a part of that. It'll make an incredible difference as you continue moving forward uh, in your new living, your new life, your healing. Let's take a moment and just ask the Lord to seal this for us, okay? And you may want to, you don't have to come forward, you're always welcome to. um, But if you just, where you are, say, God, I want to renew my covenant with you today. I want a new life. Rebuild my walls. As we sing, would you stand please? Let's do that as a church. If you need a place, we just happen to be a church. <laughs> We'd love to have you. If we're not for you, tell us what, what's appealing. What, what do you need? And uh, I'll point you in the right direction. Let's see what the Lord does next as he leads you from victory to victory to victory.